0: You're rocking the, the jet green right now, Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second will be, I see, Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn
1: wind is caused <laughs> by global
0: warming. Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmar. I do love watching Tebow play, I mm-hmm. gotta say. He just he combines all oh, the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the, uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and. Uh,
1: I don't download
0: many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest Rich Eisen Podcast, coming to you once again from league headquarters in New York City, and what a podcast we have for you. The commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, the most powerful man In uh, sport, will join me here on this podcast. First time he's ever doing a one on one conversation for this show. We're uh, pleased and excited to have him on a very busy week uh, here in New York City. 26 young men are going to come here uh, through these offices and shake the commissioner's hand before shaking the commissioner's hand on the stage of Radio City on Thursday, potentially also Friday nights for some of the kids. Uh, Lots to talk about with the commissioner, obviously, with uh, all of us waiting for the discipline. Uh, to be handed down from the commissioner on some of the players involved with the bounty in New Orleans. We're also wondering what's up with the Minnesota Vikings. The commissioner went to Minnesota last week with the Vikings lease up and no new stadium bill from the legislature there in sight. Want to ask him about that? Want to ask him about Los Angeles? Want to ask him about HGH? Want to ask him about all the hot button topics? And the commissioner is going to join us and then we'll switch gears. Seth Meyers of Saturday Night Live, the head writer, of SNL, the man who's been there since 2001, the man who brings you the weekend updates, the man who will have Eli Manning as his next guest host. He will join us. He's a big Steeler fan. Apparently, he's a draft Nick. Go figure, figure that. Um, so there's lots to talk about with him, too. I've been wanting to get Seth on the podcast for quite some time and, and pleased that he uh, came to the uh, NFL headquarters for a talk. So that's uh, coming up. But right now, let's get to the number one man atop the flow chart in the National Football League pleased to now have on the Rich Eisen podcast the Commissioner of the National Football League for the purposes of this draft week RG1 <laughs> here on the program.
1: How are you? Hey, great to be with you Rich. Yeah That's, there's yeah. going to be another RG in <laughs> New York
0: City this the week.
1: RG3 is more important. Oh is that right? <laughs> is that right? What sure. is
0: what is draft week like for you? What is this week like for you?
1: This is a great week it's one of my favorite weeks because it's you know it's a, the one week where every team gets better uh, it's also when a lot of these young athletes that have worked so hard to become NFL players uh, realize their dreams, and to be part of that, is a great day for me.
0: And what when when you see these these kids first, essentially, I guess, meet you in your office, right? Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Yes. What is that? What is that? Walk walk a fan through what happens when say luck RG3 and the rest of the prospects come walking. Well, the, the good office. news is
1: we've got 26 this year. So Can you fit gonna, them all in there? I mean We uh we're going to do it in uh three different groups. Okay. Uh and we're going to bring them through and it's a chance for me to sit with them and just uh, talk to them a little bit and it, I think it like in most circumstances uh it's initially a little stiff. Mm-hmm. They're maybe a little bit uptight and a little worried about what they should say and not say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we loosen it up, and, and the guys really start to talk.
0: And then by the end of the week, you're essentially hugging them all on well, that actually Well, that,
1: that's probably where that started, Rich. Um, is that right? Yeah, Gerald McCoy uh, was in my office a couple of years ago right. as he was preparing for the first-round draft choice, being the first-round draft choice. And he, uh, he said, hey, Commissioner, is it okay if we have fun tomorrow? And I said, yeah, sure, enjoy it. But he also told me a story later, too, that he had lost his mother uh, just prior to the draft. And it was an emotional day for him. And when he came out, Mm -hmm. uh, he hit me. (laughs) He did hit you. He did seem like he was coming at you
0: with a head of steam.
1: I felt that one, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you did. But I love him. He's a great kid.
0: And because you're there, I mean, that's the moment where the dream is officially crowned in a way. I mean there's a phone call which we're going to talk about in a moment as well <laughs> with the draft coverage and then there's the moment out on Radio City Music Hall stage with you and I'm wondering what, what that moment is like for you because we already know what it's sort of like for the kids.
1: Well I think it's, it's great for me because it's special for them and you can you can feel that emotion. Some of these guys they don't let go I mean they really give you a squeeze and you can feel the emotion and you can feel that this is an important point in their life that they've worked hard for. And to be a part of that on the stage is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. How, do you practice any names before you go out there?
1: The, the ones that are sort uh, of polysyllabic, the ones with about five syllables? Do you yeah, sit there <laughs> well, I always tease Gary Bettman. It's probably a good thing. I'm not commissioner <laughs> of the NHL. But, <laughs> That's right. Uh, there are a lot more difficult names to pronounce. Right. Uh, but we, uh, we do. We make sure that we get it right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we also have a little bit of banter about should we use nicknames from time to time. So we've we've tried to avoid that.
0: And obviously, this draft is under a completely different set of circumstances as last year's draft. Has thank that, good. Thank goodness. Have you has that has that sort of hit you every now and then this week? <laughs> that that just recalling last year and the reception you got in Radio City Music Hall and how different you're expecting it to be you know I
1: I don't know how different it'll be I think you know the the good news is that we're not talking about those kind of things unless I'm bringing it up yeah well that's okay but the fans it's what I said last year I think is if fans want to talk about football and now we can spend our time focusing on football they know the season's going to be played they know they have 10 years of labor peace and and the lockouts and other labor disputes are not going to be part of their discussion for the next several years that's a good thing for our fans.
0: Right. How about you when you go out on the stage? Are you expecting, what are you expecting this year to hear from the
1: fans and radio stations? I don't know. Part? They, I, I haven't thought about it, to be honest okay. with you. But I, they, you know, they usually have you a pretty good mixed reaction. They're, <laughs> yes. They're pretty vocal, as you know, and that's, that's right. good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we go out and uh, I'll spend time with the fans that are standing in line tomorrow mm-hmm. night. You get a chance to talk to them and uh, they'll express their opinion.
0: And I've heard from fans over the last year about the phone calls that these kids get and us showing them on television as part of our draft right. coverage, essentially tipping the draft pick that you know, most, you know, it could be Drew Rosenhaus on the other end of the line, but most of these kids are talking to their newest employers, and the league stepped in and spoke to, you know, my bosses and those <laughs> up in Bristol and essentially said, don't show these kids. Is that essentially the, 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 the order of events in the first round, don't show these kids Yes, the
1: so what we'd like to do because the draft is about a reality show. It's about suspense. And you want to keep that suspense. And when you're showing on television, the phone call and the team's getting into the last minute of their pick, uh, it's pretty clear that they've chosen that individual. Uh, And as he's going through his congratulations with his family and friends, uh, the suspense is gone. So what we're trying to do is say, how how do we maximize the suspense so that it comes where everyone understands exactly who the draft pick is at the same time. So we're going to ask everyone, uh, our, our network partners, and the NFL Network to mm-hmm. to to hold off uh, demonstrating that uh, through their through their pictures, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep that suspense right to the final moment.
0: Have you told the clubs not to tweet this information out before you? Yeah, get we've to the had the stage that rule in the past, so Rich.
1: That's not that's not new. We've we said that we would prefer that uh, that the announcement come when the announcements made at the podium.
0: Did you ever approach clubs to say don't make this phone call? Did you ever attempt going at it from the other way as opposed to saying to television networks don't show it just say make this phone call after I make the, the Well I guess, the I guess
1: it was proposed, Rich, at one point in time. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of that simply because we have to remember the purpose of today or the next few days in mm-hmm. the draft is for teams to get the players they want. And they have to have communication with the players. So while we want to keep the suspense, we also have to understand the fundamental uh, objective of the next several days is to allow teams to get the players that they feel are best for their team. So let's
0: uh, move on um, and talk about a few other items because obviously. We have a few p- other things yeah, going on. Yeah, I mean, on. your <laughs> plate, it's, it's, it, is your plate ever, let's put it this way, is your plate ever just 80% full as opposed to. I
1: don't remember the last time that was true. <laughs> let's put it that way. So. Right.
0: I mean, it just seems that it, there's always something else going on, obviously the, the something else that's the first and foremost of the New Orleans Saints in many mm-hmm. people's minds about the the punishment that, that you levied down uh, based on the bounty case as well. When when do you think the issue with suspending players who are involved in this is going to come to a, a head or a conclusion?
1: Well, I hope to reach uh, those decisions very soon. We've been continuing our, our work. Uh, we have continued to talk to uh, players and other people that uh, can give us a perspective. And once we've got all the information and we feel that we're in a position to be able to issue the fairest and and most thorough types of decisions, we'll do that, Uh, but I expect to do that soon. Because this is a big element to me. This is player on player, and what we want to do is make sure that people understand there needs to be respect for the players to play the game, and that needs to start with players against players. Uh, We've made it clear what we expect from the coaches and executives and, and clubs, that these types of activities should not be occurring and that they need to do their part. But the players need to do their part with each other, and that starts with respecting each other.
0: But if management has sanctioned it, should, uh, how, how will that figure into your punishment of the players? Essentially, if they were just doing what the coach was not only telling well, you. Well, I don't do,
1: buy that, Rich, because the, the yeah. evidence is, is quite clear that the players embrace this. They enthusiastically embraced it, uh, they put the vast majority of the money into the program, uh, and they actually are the ones playing the game. They're on the field. So uh, I don't think that they're absolved from any responsibility uh, because of that. I think everyone bears responsibility here. We've held the executives and the coaches to a higher standard, but the players uh, need to recognize they need to make sure this isn't happening either. And that was the whole point that I made with the Players Association. I'm not necessarily looking for their recommendation on discipline. I'm looking for their recommendation on what we do to continue to make our game safer and to get this kind of activity out of the game and get back to the point where we have respect for each other and the game itself.
0: And then one of the executives involved in this has a pretty serious allegation uh, levied against him that uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Louisiana is is reportedly looking into with Mickey Loomis. What, what is, what's your thoughts on hearing about this allegation that perhaps there's another eavesdropping issue that you as Commissioner may have to have on your plate sooner rather than later?
1: Well we heard the reports just as you did uh, yesterday and it's something that uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, will make a determination on and we'll make a judgment from there. Uh, in the meantime though I think it's important for fans to understand that uh, we changed our systems, our technology uh, a few years ago uh, where this would be either impossible or near impossible to do uh, in today's day and age. So this is not something we're concerned about is going on in the league. This report goes back all the way, as I understand it, back into the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll wait and see what the reports are and we'll deal with it. But is,
0: th- is there a statute of limitations within the NFL? where, Or is that something that... I, again, I
1: think what we have to do is wait and see what the facts are bear out. Uh, Rich, again, this is just a report from sources, and we'd right. like to understand uh, the credibility of the information first. Uh, what's the scoop with Minnesota?
0: How about that, just as an <laughs> open-ended question, <laughs> that it, it appears that that situation is coming to a full boil in the state of Minnesota, with the Vikings possibly being a candidate a viable, legitimate by the bylaws of the NFL candidate for relocation. Is that, is that a... Well, I think we're getting assessment? ahead of ourselves a little bit there, Rich. Okay. I,
1: I believe that the Vikings belong in Minnesota. Uh, We went up there last Monday and met with uh, both the governmental leaders uh, including the governor and other legislative leaders and also the business community and I think there's a very strong view that uh, the Vikings belong there, that they have worked very hard to get a solution to the stadium which is needed and they have a solution and they need to, to move it during this uh... this legislative period which ends in the next several days uh... i just spoke this morning to the governor uh... to other leaders this morning i continue to be in contact with them but it's it's their issue that they need to to address we will try to play whatever supportive role we can but i think there's a collective um, desire to get this resolved quickly
0: are you concerned that in 2013 or maybe 2014 the minnesota vikings will no longer have the word Minnesota in front of them? Is that, is
1: that a possibility? Well, I think it's not if the Minnesota leadership takes the action that I think they want to do and they uh, intend to do. And I think that's the message that we've tried to deliver, is don't create uncertainty in a situation. You have control over this situation now. Uh, act. Uh, the team no longer has a lease. So we believe that uh, they need to act quickly and get this done. The Vikings want to stay in Minnesota. The NFL wants them to be in Minnesota. And again, I believe the people of Minnesota want to have the Vikings there.
0: Does the NFL want to be in Los Angeles? Let's phrase it that way. Does the NFL want sure. to? Sure.
1: Have- We'd like to be there if we can do it under the right circumstances. And we've always said we want to go back and we want to, to do it successfully. Uh, we, we cannot afford to fail. We know there are millions of fans in Southern California who want to see us back again. and We're going to do our best to get back. What, what is the
0: status of that right now? And another open-ended question for you, because I mean, okay. there's, there's a couple. <laughs> there's obviously a couple of facilities that are being discussed or sites, let's put it that way, in Los Angeles. And does the NFL, let's, does the NFL prefer one over another?
1: Well, Rich, you, you start with the, the the key to us getting back successfully is getting the right stadium alternative, mm-hmm. and we are focusing on uh, at least two right now that have. Uh, that have really developed their sites, developed their plans. Uh, they both have some really positive attributes uh, and I think can help us do it successfully. And we're gonna to continue to work with them. We do not have a preferred site. We wanna get the best site, and we'll continue to work with them until we determine that one is going to work better than the other.
0: Is um, an issue in involving this the fact that perhaps those who are building these sites want a piece of whatever team is coming? Is that a degree of difficulty? that is making a return to Los Angeles? It's a,
1: it's a factor. Uh, I think, you know, obviously the people that are developing these alternatives uh, are also very smart business people. Uh, they, uh, they either have real estate interests or other interests, and they recognize that uh, they want to create an opportunity for the re- NFL to return successfully, but they'd also like to be a part of it. And that's understandable, and that's something that we'll continue to address. Okay. Um,
0: the situation with HGH, just it's a heck of a wrap-up question, but um, <laughs> we've got a couple more minutes left. Uh, did you think by now you'd have something when you were sitting there um, signing the CBA in Canton, Ohio with Demoris?
1: Well, I'll go one step further. We thought we had it. We, we, it was part of the collective bargaining agreement. It was something we all agreed to. Uh, it was to start last season because it was in the best interest of the players. Uh, we're the number one issue with this, other than the integrity of the game, which is critically important, uh, is player health and safety. And if players feel that they can take either HGH or one of these other performance-enhancing drugs that are illegal, that they essentially have to get off the black market, you don't know what they're injecting into their bodies. And that can have long-term health consequences to these individuals. So. We believe testing should have already begun. We're working hard to try to address that. They've discussed the idea of a population study. While we don't believe it's necessary, we're willing to agree to that. As long as that's the final issue, let's get going. Let's get this started because it's, it's in the best interest of the players.
0: So what, what is the holdup then, if you could just sort of <laughs> uh, That's what we're trying line.
1: to work through. We had a meeting uh, just in the last 10 days uh, to discuss it further, to to make sure that we know what we need to get done. I think we're a long ways down the road on the population study. I think now it's just trying to, to get the, the, uh, the T's crossed and the I's dotted.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, last question, the NFL Network, um, you and management gave us five more games this fall. Uh, you deserve uh, it. Thank you, by the way. I appreciate you saying that. Um, and you're not just saying that because the cameras are rolling. I'm not saying that. No, okay. we,
1: we believe very much in the NFL Network. We also believe that uh, one of our missions and one of our most critical missions is give our fans more football. And the Network's been critical in doing that. And you've done a great job in, in bringing football to our fans. And by expanding from 8 to 13 games, we're, we're extending that, that bond that we have with our fans and our missions.
0: Do you think my three and a half year old son when he looks at me, and he's (laughs) ten, he'll look at me like I've got two heads when I say the NFL used to start its weeks on Sunday. That he will have no (laughs) idea, that that, that Thursday will just be a fact of weekly NFL life. Is that...?
1: I I I believe that Thursday Night Football on the NFL Network is going to be a staple. It's going to be part of our fans' weekly uh, traditions. And we are a long ways down that just with the start we've had with eight games and now by adding five more games we are going to make it a big part of of, of our week and i think it's a great way to either start the week or end the week depending on how you want That's to look true. at it so.
0: not wrong. hey commissioner thanks for the time i appreciate great to be it with you, thank Rich. you great uh, to be with you enjoyed the draft this I mean, will
1: be fun i hope everybody enjoys it no, i
0: mean three
1: three Days,
0: two nights, Radio City <laughs> Music Hall.
1: What's not to like? It should be fun. Prime time is a lot of fun. Yeah, look forward to it. it. Thanks, Commissioner. Thanks, Rich. Commissioner Appreciate Roger Goodell it. on the Thanks. Rich Eisen podcast.
0: Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast now a man who's been on Saturday Night Live since 2001. Yeah. The head writer of Saturday Night Live. The man who also brings you the weekend updates. Big uh, football fan as well. Good to see
2: you, it's Seth Meyers. It's to see you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for coming on. For my um, first time on the NFL
0: Network is that exciting right?
2: for me. Yeah. Well, I'll
0: be very gentle. Okay, if great. I okay. yeah, no, know it's I mean, pretty hard-hitting. <laughs> it's very hard-hitting, <laughs> very hard-hitting stuff. Uh, I I just want to jump right in with, with both feet with uh, with Saturday Night Live and the football-related sketches that you guys come up with. Is it is it a football-centric writers' room, or do you need to do you need to pitch this and and sort of convince people that we have to do this football sketch? Well, like I think or?
2: certainly in the ten years I've been on the show, like football has become, I think, the most. Sort of like mass media-wise, it's mm-hmm. sort of like infiltrated everything. I feel like everybody knows football now more than ever. Right. But I will say it's not really a writers' room thing, but it's because we work so hard on Saturday, like we all tend to get together on Sunday and watch football. It's the perfect sport for our schedule. Yeah. So um, we watch a lot of football, and uh, you know, obviously, like Lauren loves football. He loves having football hosts, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so that's been always great.
0: The Tebow sketch. This year, yeah, was an instant classic.
2: It was great. I mean, the timing of it was perfect.
0: I mean, everything was was fantastic. Did you did you write that? Or I co-wrote
2: you... it. A writer named Brian Tucker had the idea, and he and I wrote it together. Right. But um, really, fun, I mean, again, like it's you know, nothing works better for us. The sports stories we have to talk about are never about minutia. They're mm-hmm. about the sports stories that kind of go national and mm-hmm. like seep into the consciousness of even the non-football fan right. which obviously Tebow was. But um. Yeah, because I think after that sketch, they basically lost every game until they beat my Steelers in the playoff, which was, like, literally biblical revenge. Like, that was the first time I thought there was something going on with that guy. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Where the smoke comes out of the door, and here comes Sudeikis as JC, and... They lose every game until your team yep. stands before him,
2: and, then and he just lights it up. I full, mean. Uh, yeah, I think I think if I read it right, pride cometh before the fall. <laughs> so <laughs> right. that was, I was feeling pretty good about how we took him down. <laughs> right, right. But and I he, will say, you yes. know, I, I've met, uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Tim a few times, yes. and I've never met a guy who seems to have a better sense of humor about himself yes. and his place in it. So, Absolutely. Which is really... You know, all a comedian can ask for. Him.
0: Right. We on our on our first ever awards show mm-hmm. uh, with Alec Baldwin hosting it. Right. They had a great moment yeah. with Tebow where he he fixed uh, Alex uh, <laughs> right. his Tebowing. He didn't yep. he didn't do it properly. And you know, t- yeah. so Tim. Yeah. He's he definitely has a sense of self, and I think he will yeah. probably need it. Yes. Here with the Jets. How do you think Tebow is going to fare it's with the Jets? It's
2: so, it's so fantastic. <laughs> Like it's such, the fact that he's coming to a circus. is just seems like the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't, we'll see, but I can't wait.
0: I know. Either way, right? Right. Something is going to be mm-hmm. talked about. Right. It's going to be pretty, pretty special. And your Steelers get the Jets and Tim Tebow week two.
2: I know. I mean, and Denver week one. So it's it's really going to be a lot of memories of that. Awful playoff loss. That's right. <laughs> Why are you a Steelers fan? My dad's from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just sort of one of those non-negotiable things <laughs> with his sons. <laughs> right. his sons had to be Steelers fans, right? So we kind of grew up in Steelers jerseys. That was sort of our clothes. What was your
0: early. who was your guy? Who was your guy?
2: Uh, uh, I remember I had to miss a school when Mean Joe Green retired because I was too upset to go to school. So that was pretty big. Because you know, it's I think like right. just because. You know, I was pretty young to sort of appreciate Mean Joe Green, but because of the uh, Coke commercial and stuff, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, just as a kid. Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. So, Mean Joe Green was your guy back in the he day? He was my guy, I mean...
2: but, you know, I was born in, I was born in 73, so I kind of, like, didn't, I couldn't, like, enjoy those four Super Bowls. Right. I'm more like, my dad talked about him the way you would talk about, like, Norse gods. <laughs> right. So, I, and he gave me all the old Sports Illustrated covers, and he gave me the terrible towel. He had right. it. um... The Rams Super Bowl, and so he gave me that. So I had all these things, this like trinkets and chest of memories. Mm -hmm. And then it took a long time for me to actually get my my Steelers Super
0: Bowl. Right, and that was on NBC. Were you were you there? Were you? Yeah, well, I I
2: think the first one, the Seattle one, I think was Fox.
0: Right, the Seattle one. Right, the Seattle one. But the one where they won it. I was in both of those. Okay, so you you were in Detroit for the one against Seattle, Mm -hmm. and then and And then I I was in Tampa.
2: Tampa, which was the greatest. And I, then mean, I was, was in incredible. Dallas, which was uh, not the greatest. Not so much. So you've yeah, gone to
0: all of these. I sitcoms. have.
2: It's been great. And I brought uh, it's me and my brother and my parents, and we've gone to all three together, and it's okay. really been wonderful.
0: Are you one of those types of sports fans that might blame it on yourself just for merely being there? Are you one of those superstitious types when you As watch the Steelers?
2: As because I grew up in New England, so I am a Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. So before I moved to New England, I was already died in the wolf steelers And when the Red Sox won the World Series, I, I came to a conclusion that there are no jinxes and no curses. So I felt like released Over. from that. Okay. But I felt very strongly that there were those things until the Red Sox finally won the World Series.
0: How was Brady coming Brady on, was, on the show?
2: Was great. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's so charismatic and likable, and he was really funny, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, played along with everything we did. Yeah,
0: and he's he's you know incredibly. Yeah. Uh, Brady, you know what I mean?
2: Like he's. He's great. He's like Jeter, and yes. cause who also hosted. And there's these guys. The best thing about athletes that host is they know that no matter how bad it goes it will not affect their day job right. like no one's going right. to show and like belichick's not going to say like hey we're going with castle this year because mm. you weren't good in sketches <laughs> right. so um that's mm. the great thing about them they're so calm cool and collected which is because it's not what they're doing is not as hard as their regular job and,
0: but peyton manning does appear to be a natural at it right I yeah mean, peyton, like, where... peyton
2: is like it's almost not fair to say he's the best sports host he might kind of just be like one of the best hosts is we that had. right um And he was another guy who was just like really willing to sort of poke fun at the way he's perceived and. Well, the United Way sketch. Yes,
0: that was was one of an all-timer. I mean, that was yours. Yes. You, I mean, Peyton looked at. Did he immediately? Was he all in the minute? He was all
2: in. He, you know, he had sort of wanted, I think, to play around with the idea of like his goody two-shoe image. Mm -hmm. And I'll remember the best. It, the f- most fun about that, because he was throwing, you know, there were Nerf footballs that he was throwing at kid extras. <laughs> he was
0: not winging actual No, he was Dukes not winging actual football, but it was uh-huh.
2: real fun to, like, he was, so- he was soft-tossing um, a little on the first couple of takes. And I remember myself and the director, Kiva Schaefer, who directs all the digital shorts, mm. were like, hey, can you, do you think you can throw it a little bit harder? He's like, oh, I can throw it harder. I'm an NFL quarterback. <laughs> right. I'm trying not to hurt children. Right. And we're like, they'll be fine. They'll have these memories forever. Right. But he- there's a great moment where he sends a kid into uh, the portalette and then mm-hmm. the kid opens the door and he tells him, to And it was that, he completely improvised that. Just he improvised to that? There. No kidding. And he yelled at a kid, go stand in there. And it was really great, because, like, yes. these, were, these kids were extras, but it, he was also the real Peyton Manning, so they kind of were just doing whatever he said. Of course. But it was
0: really fun. That's fantastic. And then you played Peyton Manning. I did. When Brady was on. Yeah. Uh, Somebody that, Vanessa Thompson was, played was, Donovan you, McNabb. Well, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and, and Keenan played uh, McNabb's mom. Yes. Another instant right. classic. Did Peyton... When he came on, did he comment to you? I about don't think you playing that. Him? I
2: don't think that sketch had enough resonance. That it did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, You know, it right. did to me, but the I mean NFL but for him. Actually, yeah.
0: yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we we have no life. Anything, You guys have NFL. Google Alerts on. We NFL, do. NFL, hey, anytime. So. It's seriously. But it, I'm not telling any tales out of school. Anytime you guys do a, right. a skit or a sketch that has to do with the NFL, I mean, it just lights yeah. us, us up like a Christmas tree. So. Yeah. And now we've got Eli mm-hmm. coming into your house so on the fifth. Of May, the next, next Saturday next Night next Live, live, show, live yeah. is Eli. I yeah. mean, what do you do? You have something cooked up? here? Yeah,
2: or? I'm. I'm really excited about the timing of Eli coming in, especially the week after the draft. Right. Because uh, we've always kind of wanted to do something about draft coverage. Because I feel like it's just. I mean, it's becoming. It's a, like its own <laughs> industry. Um, I feel like people like the, try to wait for the season to be over just for the draft. Like right. the seasons are the thing now that happens between the drafts. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, I I'd like the timing, and like hopefully you can do something like that.
0: So um, are, are we in the sports TV business going to be in, I your hope so. I in your crosshairs, like the draft coverage in your crosshairs?
2: it's so much talking about things that you won't know for years. Correct. That's the greatest thing about it.
0: Right, because we try in our draft coverage not to do the Roman Emperor thing, like right. thumbs up, thumbs down, because, yeah. you know, how, how, who in the world oh, is exactly. going to like draft know grades. It
2: would be like saying how a president did on the Inauguration. An- inauguration. <laughs> Right. So, like, how do you think he did?
0: Well, I, mean, I think some some places do actually they do. do that. Yes. you know, and you Except send Except you know exactly which do. way each exactly place is going to say. Place, yeah, you know where you're tuning in for that coverage. So, uh, how much of a draft, Nick, are you? I, I mean,
2: I love the draft. I mean, when I was, I remember in the '80s when I was, you know, in my, you know, when I was like sort of 10 to 15, we would go on spring break every year with my family, and I would have to like, I would not want to go to the beach; I'd want to stay and watch the draft. Mm-hmm. That was when the Steelers were drafting earlier. Yes. So, and these days, but I always look forward to it, and the Steelers tend to get a great player every first round. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Years and years. They know what they're doing. it's fun. The fun thing is, like, I don't watch enough college football. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know who any, like, I want us to get Hightower, but Mm -hmm. only because I've read we should get Hightower. I don't know what he looks like. I've never seen him
0: play. Because Saturday, you're just just in the tank.
2: I can try to watch Northwestern. I will keep an eye. I on say, keep an
0: eye on Peels. You know, but hey, listen, they are doing better though. Northwestern. They are
2: absolutely. When you wow. considering where they were, like six and seven, is perfectly fine.
0: Right, I, yeah. You'll take it. Yeah. You'll take it. If
2: they beat one ranked team a year. I'm so
0: do it. you do you mock draft? Do you do you do you mock draft? I follow. Or?
2: I read probably pretty much any mock draft I can find. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Because to me, I can't. I mean, I, yeah. Even. Because uh, it's just with trades, you know, you could just throw them out. The well, way I of. think
2: I read the mock drafts to educate myself as to who the players are. Got it. Otherwise, I just watch it. I go into the draft kind of blind. Okay. Like I like knowing what. I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't know what is or isn't surprising. Right. Until somebody tells
0: exactly. me. Exactly. So. Well, we don't already. They they announced today. The Colts already announced they're taking Andrew Luck. Yes, yeah. it's, it's already done. Yeah. it's a done deal. in RG three, and then we then we move forward from there. Yeah. So, what advice would you give, Eli? What as he's coming in? I mean.
2: I, you know, the thing that he'll have that no host has had since Cheater is he'll be so beloved by the crew and the audience. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, you're sort of like, he can't, it's not like he can do any wrong in their eyes. Right. Um, Whereas somebody like Brady is kind of working against that a little bit. Yes, of
0: course. Um, A Boston guy coming into New York. Yeah, but, Uh I mean,
2: I think, you know, if he takes a page from Peyton and it's just like you kind of like play around with what people think is fun about you. Hopefully, you know, I know Peyton's pretty busy now, but maybe we'll try to see if we can get him to do something for us.
0: That would be great. Yeah. So what what is the week like? Eli's going to come in on Monday? He'll come in on Monday,
2: yeah. Uh And so we'll sit in a room with all the writers and cast, and we'll pitch ideas to him. And then um, Tuesday, the writing staff stays through the night. and sort of write uh, probably about 40 sketches. And on Wednesday... 40? 40, And on Wednesday, Eli will sit at the head of a table, surrounded by the cast of Saturday Live, and outside of that will be writers, and all the department heads, and Lauren sits next to Eli. And it takes about four hours to read 40 sketches. And it's that's the hardest part, because uh, people just get tired.
0: I imagine. Yeah. So if, if you love a sketch, and it's number 35, right. I mean, isn't that... Count against it? I if mean, I, like, how I love funny a sketch it? and it's right. number
2: 35, I go and talk to the guy who made the order, and I'm like, why is this number 35? Right, yeah. So uh, it's really hard. We always say that like, if anybody that can sort of punch their way out of in the 30s... Yeah. If we pick something in the 30s, we're like, oh, that's really good. It's got to be. Um, but sometimes, too, you just know. I mean, we do know about people getting tired, and sometimes Lauren will say, like, "I, you know, I know I didn't play, but that's a really smart idea, and right. I we'll rewrite it well. I know. But Eli will start rehearsing, like... Thursday, Friday, and, you know, we'd have a live dress rehearsal on Saturday at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock. That's about two hours, and then we have to cut half an hour out of that for, uh, for air. But it'll be fun. Like I said, the great thing about athletes is they don't get nervous. So.
0: Right. And are you still enjoying it? looks like you're having a yeah, time in your the, life. I mean, I mean it's,
2: the, it's the dream job. And, uh, you know, my biggest fear is whatever I do after this will be boring. And the job is still not boring.
0: So right. That's but, really I wrong. mean, it's an incredible grind. It's an incredible grind.
2: But the best part about it is, is, like, you know, you look at our last three shows. Like, a week doing a show for Sofia Vergara and a week doing a show for Josh Brolin and a week doing a show for Eli Manning. They couldn't be more different. Of course. Like, right. they're just all over the place. Uh-huh. And that's what keeps it fresh. I think if we were working with the same group of people week in and week out, you'd feel the grind more. Right. But there is that excitement of finding out how a person's going to be.
0: So, in the, in the week that you're dark... You're going to be in Austin on the 26th of of April at the Moon Tower Comedy and Oddity Fest at the Paramount Theater. Mm -hmm. Then you go to Detroit. On a plane, you go to Detroit. The Forgotten Harvest, the Orchestra Hall at the Forgotten Harvest. And then Boston. Awesome. go back to your two hometown. Two shows, yeah. For two shows, 7 and 9.30 p.m. at the Wilbur Theater on uh, on the 28th. The, throughout, actually, these are all draft nights. Yeah. Um, I know. I'm so, going to have to you know, we'll, don't follow online. We'll,
2: we can, Just call yeah. me. Call in. I'll I, keep my I, phone I, on, I, on I'll stage. live tweet. i live tweet. <laughs> okay. you know, and I know you've got over
0: a million followers at, at right. Seth myers 21. Thank the, you. The 21 is is for... The 21
2: is because I, when I started Twitter, I, like an old man, thought it was important to have like an AOL handle. <laughs> but uh, really? 21's always been my favorite. That was like my little... Ending. My dad, mm-hmm. again, the Pittsburgh of my dad, he was a big uh, right. Roberto Clemente fan. So.
0: so why are you on a week off going across, around the country I and really doing love, comedy? I love I mean, doing
2: stand-up. and uh, There's
0: nothing harder. There nothing is nothing. It's super I mean, hard. I, I, I'm sort of silly explaining to somebody who does this for a living on live television <laughs> in a week. I'm just talking about a grind. But I mean, uh, that, that is...
2: It's a thing that I've sort of like started working on a lot, you know, sort of seriously in the last few years. And it's really exhilarating. And it's a thing I just like getting better at. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fun.
0: Right. Well, yeah. it's been a, a pleasure having you on. Thank you, you so on. much. I'm really a, a big, know. huge fan
2: of uh, what you had do. Have me on the week window. after. I'll give you all my draft grades. I would I'll t- <laughs> tell you how everybody did. You'd you give me the A and the B <laughs> right. minus yep. and all that stuff. I'm very disappointed with how these guys did.
0: And if you do a sketch on draft coverage, just yep. be, be gentle. I mean, You know what I mean? It just, Fair enough. You know, yeah. I mean... It, it is long. I feel like I should be raising money for charity for how long I'm on television. That, and, I think the
2: guys that have to look out are the guys who are really hard on how teams draft. So those are the guys. Those are the ones, uh, yeah. And since they're not gentle, we well, can't they, be no, gentle. Well, I know that.
0: Charity. And I, I, I could already hear Mel Kuyper quaking in his boots right now. I mean, like, and Mayock is quaking wait. in his boots, too. And and because uh, with the draft, where I just sit there and we wait. Yeah. Right? I mean, we just sit there and watch a clock, essentially. Right. But then, compared to what we do for the Combine, which is watch guys run straight lines and spandex yeah. and around cones, it seems to be even more evolved, though. We're in Radio watch, City music I would watch
2: anything on, on, uh, on your network. Okay. I will watch a countdown of any kind of countdown, I will stick around for the whole hour. Fantastic. If I see guys at the Combine, I will that is when I will change the channel. Is <laughs> like, really the, like, the no. shuttle like watching shuttle runs and stuff. Because it's all like after you watch everyone and you go, that yeah. was great. They did that the was, best. That's great. the best I've ever I've seen. I've never
0: seen somebody run right. cones like <laughs> yeah. that. I know. And I and I'm doing the play by play of it like in a hushed tone because it's an empty stadium. It's like uh, golf meets track and field. Yeah. And it is it is a little bizarre. But So that's why I feel the draft is a little bit more evolved, even though it not much is happening. It might be the most
2: covered thing where the, with that many empty seats that's not on like The combine you're talking about? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Not> it's <on> literally span. like, it's like yeah. a C-SPAN moment, because it's like, this is really important. And then yeah. you go, if it's so important, why does nobody want to <laughs> be Nobody's there.
0: It's like a laboratory. Yeah. And then you, know, you get the draft, where it's the only event in the NFL where the principal uh, decision makers are not in the actual arena, right. they're just like you know people answering the phones and talking to Belichick. Last question: You think you could get Belichick to host Saturday I Night Live? I don't think we could. No,
2: it doesn't seem you like know? a thing that would be in his comfort zone. I don't know. Yeah,
0: you never know. But that that would be maybe Coughlin. His, get his feelings.
2: Coughlin. Coughlin, maybe we'll try to see if Coughlin wants to do a cameo. Those are the two most humorless-looking guys in the world. <laughs> Like, by the way, Rex Ryan, I'm sure, waits outside the door every week. That's right. <laughs> just security, exactly. keeping him out. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we. He's in. He's yeah, all in. I think we have to say Rex Rye, and he would just show right. up That's right, Rex Rye. <laughs> right. just there like a genie. Good to see you, Seth. Good to see you, Rich. You Thanks.
0: bet. That's Seth Myers here on the Rich Eisen podcast. Seth Myers, everybody. That was fun. That was fun. And uh, once again, be sure if you're in Austin on uh, Thursday night to catch. Um, Catch uh, Seth at the Moon Tower Comedy and Oddity Fest at the Paramount Theater. Detroit this Friday night, the 27th, The Forgotten Harvest at Orchestra Hall. And then Boston, Mass, his hometown, the Wilbur Theater, two shows on Saturday, the 28th of April. Also Eli Manning on Saturday Night Live, coming up in a couple of Saturdays on May the 5th. Wanna thank Seth, wanna thank the commissioner. I also wanna thank Chris Vassallo of the NFL. Good to see you, Chris, thanks for setting up the room. I um, want to thank um, also Dennis Leary, who came on the podcast this week. Um, speaking of Detroit, um, he's got a new documentary called Burn, which um, follows the travails of, of firefighters in the city of Detroit. Uh, that's going to be hopefully coming to a theater near you, and when you get a chance to see it, please do. In the meantime, go to our blog page to see how you can support your local firefighters and first responders. That podcast is also sitting in your iTunes box. Same thing with me and Charles Davis, which we put out earlier in the week to get you ready for the NFL draft. Still to come as an NFL.com mock draft that Mike Mayock is the commissioner for. That's still to come on the audio version. We'll put the entire thing up on uh, on the podcast page. Also want to direct your attention to the Thursday, Wednesday night, 1030 p.m. Eastern airing, television airing of the podcast with me. RG1, Seth Myers and Dennis Leary, and then of course Radio City Beckons for our draft coverage starting this Thursday. And I want to again thank everybody who uh, who helped put this podcast together. Chris Law, thank you. Mark Brady, good to see you. Am I forgetting anybody? Okay. Thumbs up from from uh, Chris Law. Uh that's it from uh League Headquarters in New York. Rich Eisen signing off. See you from
1: Radio City. Stay listening, friends.